0: The scripture reading today is from Matthew 7, verses 24 through 29. Hear the word of the Lord. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like the wise man who built his house on rock. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Now when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astounded at his teaching for he taught them as one having authority and not as their scribes. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Let us bow before God in prayer. Let us pray. Almighty God, In Holy Scripture and through our Lord Jesus Christ, you have taught us that we cannot live by bread alone, but only by every word that proceeds from your mouth. That unless our souls are nurtured and strengthened, there is no life within us. So come and speak through the songs that we sing and the prayers that we pray and the readings that we hear and the proclamation of your holy word. Speak so that we would hear a word from you and that our souls would be fed and our lives and our congregation nurtured so that we would live for the praise of your glory and enjoy you forever. Amen. So this is the day in which we dedicate and rededicate the facility entrusted to our care a building the issue of buildings is profoundly biblical profoundly scriptural houses and houses of worship this concern is a really ancient concern going back to the very beginning of the stories that are told to us in the bible So we go back to the books of Genesis and Exodus at the beginning of the Bible, and we find that God's people are nomads. They are wandering in one direction or another. There is Abraham and his family coming from Ur of the Chaldees, modern Iraq, up to Turkey, and then down to the land of Canaan, the Promised Land. They're nomads. They live in tents. And so, too, the people of Israel, later on as they go into slavery in Egypt and are set free from that slavery and wander through the wilderness the desert until they return to that same promised land that Abraham went to they are living in tents no buildings of bricks and mortar for them at that stage but these are not just any old tents or one of them is not the tent of worship which they called the tabernacle was spectacular the design was exquisite it came straight from God through Moses God was interested in every bit of the design of the tabernacle. Indeed, sometimes when we read those passages of scripture, unless we are a designer or an architect, we think that they're boring. They are just like construction plans, but they are God's plans for this tent, this exquisite tent within which people will approach God and worship God. But there comes this moment in the scripture When the nomadic life ends and the life in tents comes to an end and the people settle in the promised land and they build for themselves cities of stone and walls and houses of bricks and mortar and they begin to wonder about the worship of god and whether or not they should exchange the tent or the tabernacle for something more solid more glorious more magnificent and in the time of king david around a thousand years before christ This question becomes a dominant question in Scripture. And David prays a prayer, King David does, to God to say, Lord, what am I to do? I want to build a house for you. This is what I want to do for you, where people will find you and where they will gather for worship. And God responds to that prayer in a couple of ways. First of all, he says to King David, good idea, but you are not going to be the one who builds this house. Your son will build this house. And he's speaking first of all about Solomon, but actually there's a double entendre here. He's speaking as well about the one who would be the ultimate son of David, and that is our Lord Jesus Christ. But Solomon would build this physical structure, the temple in the city of Jerusalem, the son of David, the literal son building this temple in the city of Jerusalem for the glory of God and then God turns things around on David and says to him you will not build this house for me Solomon's going to do that but I am going to build a house for you and it's a rather quizzical moment and God is playing with words because even in the ancient Hebrew the word house as in English can have a couple of meanings there is the literal meaning And then there is the the spiritual uh, meaning as well. And that spiritual meaning has to do uh, with a non-literal sense of a house in terms of a family. And God says to David, I'm going to build your house and your lineage for years to come. And through that house, the world will be blessed. And as I've mentioned, one of the descendants in that house will be Jesus himself. Of the house, we hear it at Christmas, the house and the lineage of David. We would use it in these terms if we were speaking about a royal family, the house of Tudor or the house of Windsor. And that kind of game is going on in the pages of Holy Scripture which shows us God's interest both in the physical house, the literal house, and in the figurative house, the spiritual house. Bricks and mortar and the community life of God's people together. And God's interest is in both of these and they are inescapably tied together. This is an emphasis that some parts of Christian faith have actually missed. They have become so spiritual that they are not grounded in God's love of the material. And this is a mistake. It is to forget that God is the creator and God is the ultimate designer And God is the ultimate architect of all that exists, of everything that exists. God is, in fact, the ultimate scientist. And once again, many Christians forget this in this tussle between faith and science. There should be no tussle. There is nothing that we discover that God did not know of aeons ago. God put it all together. And all that we ever do is unravel the mysteries that God has built into creation. There is no black hole that God does not know about. There is no dark matter that God does not know about. If there are multiple universes, God knows about all of those. And then down to the minuscule, God knows about the microbes and the bacteria as well. Nothing of this surprises God. God loves the physical universe that God has made. And that part of our world, which is essentially physical, the places we go to, and the things we do with our hands, all of this is of interest to the God of the Bible to whom we turn in worship. Though none of these things are an end in themselves, though God takes pleasure in the beauty of these things and in the structure of these things, it's as if, in a sense, all of this has been designed for his children, just as parents buy things, things of matter for their children and share them with them to explore. So God has made all of this creation richly for us to explore, to live in and not to manipulate in a bad way, but to use as stewards in a good way for God and for us as well. God is interested as well in what all of these material things can do for the building of that other house, the community that God is passionate about. And these two go hand in hand throughout the pages of scripture. God's passion to build houses and homes and who knows what else, and God's passion to build a house and a home for God out of your life and my life together, a community as descendants of David through Jesus David's primary son. God does this for his own glory. It gives glory to God. It's as if God rejoices, looking at a firework display, as it were, and says, isn't this magnificent? It's wonderful. It's not pride in the bad sense, but it's pride in a wonderful sense. And perhaps we experience some of that today. This is just amazing. How could this possibly be? God does this for his own glory. But God does this as well for our human happiness. God does this for you and me. Back in the 1600s, a group of rather sober Puritans, who often get a bad press for being more sober than they often actually were, called the Westminster Divines. They wrote a statement called the Westminster Shorter Catechism, which a generation ago, maybe two or three generations ago now, every Presbyterian would memorize. The Westminster Shorter Catechism begins with this question. What is the chief end of man, humankind? What is our chief purpose in life? And the first part of the answer is not surprising, to glorify God. Sounds good, sounds orthodox. But then these sober Puritans add and enjoy God forever. Find joy in God forever. Find happiness In glorifying God this strange paradox that as we give ourselves to God we gain back more pleasure than we can possibly imagine this is God's passion for us and it is God's passion for us through the physical universe that God has given to us we have seen this if you've been watching online and some of you have been here in the sanctuary as we've looked together at Jesus teaching in the Sermon on the Mount Jesus himself is passionate about our happiness. The Beatitudes with which the Sermon on the Mount begins are statements of blessedness. But more accurately, the Greek is the word for happy, for happiness as well. Not a a, a happiness which comes and goes, which is light, but solid. Oh, how interesting. Solid as a rock. Which leads us to the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 6 and 7. Beatitudes at the beginning, the passage we read is at the end of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus speaks about lives that are happy because they are solid as a rock. He does not promise that life will be free from troubles. There is no such promise in Holy Scripture. If Jesus' life, sinless as it was, was free, was, was filled with trouble and difficulty and ended up in suffering, we will face those kinds of things as well. We will not escape those things. And Jesus says, the storms are going to roar. The rain is going to fall. The floods are going to rise. The winds are going to blow in our lives. But what I can give you is a life that is solid as a rock that will be stable no matter what happens in this life to you. To which we should say, how can we receive this good news? What can we do to obtain it? To which Jesus says, well, the answer is profoundly simple. He says, listen to me and do what I say. Listen to me, hear me and do what I say. Profoundly simple, but to begin with, when you think about it, surely extraordinarily arrogant. Unless Jesus carried in himself an authority which comes from God himself, unless Jesus carries within himself divinity itself, unless he is not only the son of David, but the son of God. And if you remember the last words we read, the crowds are stunned when he says this. And they don't say, who is he? Well, his enemies do. They say, we've never heard anybody speak with such authority as this. Indeed, I believe that in Jesus' words at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, when he says, hear my words and act upon them, then your life will be solid as a rock. He is giving us, he does on a number of occasions, an implicit, an implicit claim to divinity. Back in our Old Testament scripture, the greatest statements that are about uh, the, the, the faith of ancient Judaism come in what's called the Shema, where the people are encouraged by Moses to hear God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is God alone. Your Lord, your God, is one. Hear, O Israel, listen. Listen to whom? Listen to the Lord. What Jesus is saying is, I am that Lord to whom you are to listen. Either great arrogance or true. And he says to us, if you do listen and if you follow, and he says, follow me again and again in the scripture, then it doesn't matter what storms will come. Your life will be like a house built on a, a rock. An interest again in a house solid built on a rock. It is not easy to listen to Jesus. It just isn't. There are so many voices out there calling us to listen to them on the television, in the media, this opinion, that opinion, here, there, and everywhere. All kinds of voices saying, we have the path to follow. In the church, we can be arrogant with that voice and say, we have the path to follow. But let's drop it down a notch and to say, none of us follow that path as we ought. That's why we confess our sins at the beginning of every service of worship. But we do know someone Who does have that path to follow and whose voice is worth listening to above every other voice that there is and this is the person of our Lord Jesus Christ we will not follow him or listen to him or find that the house of our life is rock solid unless we choose to do so deliberately it requires a specific act of dedication And if you have not made that act of dedication, today is the day to do that, personally, to dedicate yourself to listen as you have never listened before. But even if we make that our commitment, I don't believe it's possible to keep unless we do it together as the house of the Lord together in the community that Jesus is passionate about building and that it too will be solid as a rock. A community that God strengthens in so many different places around the world through the facilities and the houses that have been built in his name. The physical and the spiritual are all tied together. And we trust that in the days ahead, they will be tied together in the right way for us. We worship God. We are grateful for the material universe that God has created, and the house that God has given to us. And we pray, I trust we pray, that God would give us in a changing world where nothing seems to be rock solid, a rock solid faith that will enable us to be the bearers of Christ's light and life for decades to come. May God hear this prayer. Let us bow before God. In prayer let us pray holy God may you be honored and glorified in this world and through our lives in this house and in the house which is the body of each one of us and in this house which is the community of faith which worships and serves you through Jesus Christ Bless us so that we could be your hands and feet, a source of blessing to many now and always. Amen.